Welcome to Sastery in the Making, the podcast that features the people who made the software world what it is today and the leaders who are shaping the future of technology. Here's your host, Matt Wallach. Okay, are you curious about how you get off the ground in the early days? Or what are some mistakes that you definitely want to avoid when you get started? And what should the exact steps be? What should you do when you're building your software company? We're going to talk about all of that and more today. This is Sastry in the Making. I am your host, Matt Wallach, and I am thrilled to be joined by my special guest, Lee Gladish. Lee, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here today. Absolutely. I'm glad to have you as well. Let me tell everybody about Lee here. Lee is the co-founder and CEO of Airborne App. Airborne App offers the industry's first sales engagement application that's purpose-built for agencies. I'm really excited to dive into what that's all about. But Lee also has some experience prior to this as well. He's formerly the co-founder at Reply.io. Many of you know that one. And formerly the VP of sales at File Mobile. So when it comes to growing companies, when it comes to software and taking care of growing and scaling a software business, Lee knows his stuff. So once again, Lee, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Let's get this rolling. Awesome. Let's do it. Well, tell me first, what's going on with you lately with Airborne App and what's coming up? Yeah. So we built Airborne, purpose-built for agencies, primarily B2B lead generation agencies to help them you know, book more meetings, essentially. Airborne really was kind of founded and why we got into Airborne was really around, we looked at the products in the market in the sales engagement space. And as you know, there are a lot of them out there, right? There's a lot of those products out there. It's a crowded market. Why go build another sales engagement product? But we picked the niche and the niche was for B2B lead gen agencies, marketing agencies as well, because the products in the market today are built for individual SDRs solo users, let's say 5, 10, 20 users in a company, individual licenses, they're all siloed. And we figured there was a better way to do this for agencies. We saw the market. We did a ton of discovery and research. And then that's where we decided to you know, put our time and money into and go down that road. Beautiful. So let's talk about the niche. Why did you feel that was so important? And how exactly did you find your niche? Yeah. So I was co-founder at Reply and in the sales engagement space, again, selling to SDRs. Uh, and salespeople. Um, through that experience, I realized that the product was built specifically for SDRs and not agency owners. When I left Reply in 2019, September 2019, I didn't know exactly what I was going to do. I knew I wanted to build another SaaS company. That was it. And I had two great co-founders, a great product guy, and an amazing CTO. And I'm like, we can go build anything. What do we want to go build? And we looked at some products. We had some ideas. We had some bad ideas that we didn't do. Thank God we didn't we, we, <laughs> we didn't do that. But we kind of like started down that road. And then like about a month or so later, we're like, let's just stop that. That's not what we want to do. <laughs> um, but my two co-founders were like, listen, you have all this experience in sales engagement. You know the space really, really well. Like maybe we can do something different and better in that space. And then I got on the phone and I like I, we booked over 50 meetings in about a month and a half. Because wow. I, you know, one, I knew quite a few people in the space already, but we just reached out to a whole bunch of sales teams, a whole bunch of agency owners, and we realized that the problem wasn't lying within the SDR space with the current products that are out there, because there's just a lot of feature parity. But what we figured was the problems that kept coming up were all around agencies, because the products that they were using were not built for them; they were built mm -hmm. for individual SDRs. So imagine an agency; they have salespeople, they're working with 
five to a hundred different customers, but they're using a product that's meant for one login, one rep, completely siloed billing. So imagine you have an agency that's 50, you have 50 customers are working with, and they have 25 reps. They have 50 different billing cycles, reportings in 50 different places, logins for users are in 50 different places. So we brought that all into one app. So the problems through our discovery, we really just understood the problems that were happening were all on the agency side. There was nothing for them. So we figured, just like I look back at my history when I worked at, at NetSuite, it was the same thing. Like you can have accounting for one instance of your company, but what happens if you're a company that has 50 different instances in 50 different countries? You're not going to use 50 different QuickBooks instances. You're going to have a product that does that all in one. And that's kind of where we figured, let's go down that rabbit hole. Let's figure that solution out. And then later, when we feel that we can actually tackle a problem on the sales side, we'll release a product for that. But that'll be a little bit later. Well, I absolutely love it because you dove in before just saying, hey, let's just do this. You actually started talking, had those 50 conversations, which is phenomenal. And you learned what the challenges were. You heard the pain, you heard the worry, you heard the struggle, and you created from that. That is one of the key pieces when people say, hey, I'm not quite sure if people need this or want this, or I don't know what they want. I was like, you need to have the conversations with your market. You need to dive in and understand what are they going through and get in their head so that you know how you're going to be able to iterate towards that. And it sounds like you found a perfect niche. We did. And, and I think this is, you know, goes back to one of your first questions that you asked about like what a founders can do in the beginning before they even start a business. And when we were prospecting to these agencies, once we despi- decided this is the road we want to go down, we, we started prospecting and we were booking meetings and having a lot of conversations without a product. And that was great validation because people were ready to, you know, they signed up for a beta. We were talking to them. They were booking meetings with us and they were like, this is great. You're going down the right road. So for founders out there who are trying to figure out like, who do I sell to or am I selling to the right market? It's really good validation to figure out if you're going to be prospecting to your market before you have a product and they're not even talking to you, you probably may want to put on the brakes. I totally agree. And that's something that people can be a little fearful of is sometimes they don't want to ask those questions because they don't want to stop. Once you get the emotion rolling of this is going to be what we're going to do and you get the momentum going, it can be scary to put on the brakes. But you know, Jack Welch, CEO of GE, always used to say, you have to go into it trying to find the issue. And he would think of that as if they were going to go purchase some company. Of course, he did all these acquisitions. He would say, don't go in and get the emotion of this looks great. This is a shiny object. Let's do this. Go in there thinking, what can I find that's going to not want me to do this? And if you can't find anything, then do it. And it sounds like you were able to accomplish that. Well, there was, it was a clear underlying problem that we were solving. It may not be the world's biggest problem, but it was a problem nonetheless that we feel that our market is growing really, really fast, especially with COVID. Think about it. Like It's hard to hire SDRs, harder to hire SDRs remotely with no experience, you learn, like we've all been in the pit, right? We've all been in the pit. We've all sat down beside each other. You're learning from other reps. I, I learned everything I know from the reps that I sat beside and the, and the management team that was right there beside me. Doing that remotely now is a lot harder. So we feel that our market's just you know getting bigger and bigger every day. I love it. I think it's super fantastic. And one of the things that you know I like, and you talked about your market, you thought about you know where you are with the agencies. And this is a problem that is being taken care of for other use cases and for other targets. However, you identified within that big space, that niche of people who are not being taken care of. And too many times, I think as founders, we say, 
uh-oh, I don't want to go over there because there's so much competition. There's so much happening mm-hmm. there. I don't want to try and compete in that space. However, very often there are use cases or there are target markets that are unserved. And it sounds like you found one that's that was unserved and they were having a struggle and it's full speed ahead. Yeah, I take a lot of inspiration from ConvertKit. You know, blogging platform, you know, like it grew really, really fast, started as like a side hustle for a few years. Niches are like there's big markets in there. And as software just becomes, you know, bigger and bigger and bigger, there's gonna be a lot of other, you know, niche verticals that are gonna pop up from that. So not saying that we're just gonna stay in that niche vertical forever. We may, our clients will tell us. Like we feel that our when we look at our product roadmap, you know, it's years down the road still. Like there's just so much to build because agency owners just kept coming back to me and they're like, you're fundamentally changing the way we're running our business now. If you can just add Asana into that, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if we want to. We're not going down that road, but you know, we're getting that type of feedback, and and that's great, right? So we'll see where where the product goes, but we're really just like really focused on serving that market right now. And even like the marketing agencies, they're you know they're still very much into I use Mailchimp to send you know transactional type of not newsletters, just like you know personalized messages, and I'm like goes in the promotional spam. And it's not probably the best product for you. So there's a lot of different markets we haven't even explored yet. Very cool. Okay, let's go down the journey a little bit. So you had the initial conversations. Love that you did that. What happened next? What were your next steps that helped you get this thing off the ground? Yeah, or some of the steps that stalled us from getting off the ground in in the the early days as well, right? You know, it's always good to talk about the things that got us there. So what got us there was, you know, I have a sales background. And, you know, while the product was being built, it was all discovery. Right? It was prospecting every single day. It was fo- focusing, working on the product and building that pipe. And you know, we had a few hundred agencies that were already ready to go and sign up and use the product right from day one. So that was great. Like got off, a really good, got off to a really good start. Transitioning them over because you know, obviously they have workflows, not as easy as it seems, but I did a lot of the discovery. What percentage of your day was spent on prospecting and discovery within your market versus all the other things that a founder has to do. Yeah, 60, probably 60-70%. Wow, I love it. Yeah, That's great. All I don't think founders are doing that enough in general. I think they might do yeah. 5 to 10% maybe. For me it's just like it's really easy to do. Like I understand that how to do that. I focus a lot on marketing early on as well. I should have done it earlier, 6 months earlier, but I waited a little bit longer to do that. That kind of hurt, but it was all prospecting all day, every day, booking meetings, getting that product validation. And actually through that process, that's how we actually ended up raising some pre-seed because our clients were like, hey, I really like what you're doing. Are you raising money? And I was like, we're not, but I think we maybe will raise a little bit. And then actually the, the two, 300K that we raised were actually mostly all from our customers, which was good. That is really, really good. One of the best ways to fund and fuel your growth and get that initial investment is from sales from your customers. So yes. I, I love it, love it, love it. Okay, so what was next? So obviously you did some prospecting and that's fantastic. So you said that it's a good thing. What were some of those early mistakes that kind of you should have avoided? Yeah, so some of them you you don't see until after, but we want to get the product up fast, right? We will like no one wants to spend a year building a product. You want to get it up in five or six months or even seven months or whatever it is. And every product's gonna have bugs in the beginning. But we hired a, a team offshore, a small team to do some work for us that kind of fell in our face. Like it fell right back on us just because they were going too quick. We pushed them too hard. They probably weren't as, you know, like leveled up as our team is here because we have a team, everyone's here. And it actually ended up pushing us back like three or four months 
we didn't foresee some of like the Google audit process. Google just rolled out a new process, you know, to make sure you get it audited. And you can't actually go through that process until your app is finished. You can't do it while you're building it. It has to be done. So that, again, another two, three, four months that kind of stalled a few things there. That helped us build the product and build more features, but that still stalled things a little bit. And then even on the marketing side, like I'm not a marketer. I understand a lot of the fundamental principles of marketing, but again, I'm not a marketer. I don't know how to build sites and what it, how it should read and look and talk and walk. That's not my forte. And, you know, we fell a little bit on that side too. So, you know, that was a year of some stumbling blocks. We still were getting revenue and customers in the door, but those things we look back, we're like, Hey, that probably would have saved us a good amount of money and about four or five months of time. So we all make mistakes and I've done it. I've, I've built Absolutely. a few companies already and you still make the same, not made the same, but you still make mistakes no matter what. Well, I totally agree. I mean, you're never going to be able to avoid it, but all you can do is kind of learn from others, learn from your previous mistakes and do everything you can to go down the right path. Okay. So you got past those early days. Then what did you do to start seeing more and more scale, more people coming on board? So I think this goes back to what you talk a lot about is you get those demos, you get them in, you show them the demo, you do a proper demo. And then like, how do you scale? Right. The last part is like, how do you scale? I'm not at that scale stage yet because we're still learning a lot. I'm still doing a lot of things by myself. I have a BD sales rep, you know, all-purpose person that helps me with that as well. Beautiful. But right now, I think every founder should have that guy, right? Like I always joke with them. He's like, he's my Dwight Schrute to office. <laughs> you need, you need your Dwight Schrute, the guy beside you that's going to help you and be passionate about what you're building and be there for you. Doing it as a solo, like I'm not a solo founder, but like. The expertise of my team is a little bit different than sales. So I have that guy that's really helping me on that side. But I just kept, again, prospecting, prospecting, building that pipeline. And I just have never stopped. And I'm doing that today. And I'm, until we hit our first like five, 600K, I'll still be that guy. Because until I hit that first four, five, 600K, how do I really expect to hire a couple of reps and then get them to do it if I haven't done it myself, right? Run the playbook, understand the playbook, and then I can really scale. So that's all I'm focusing on right now. Product, marketing, content, support, all those other things, but really focusing like number one priority is pipeline. Perfect. So well said. And you talked about two things that are really important. One, continue to prospect, 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 got to continue to fill that pipeline. But secondly, and something you're right that I talk about quite a bit is people ask me, hey, I'm a founder. I built this. I don't really want to sell this, but I don't really know how to hire somebody to come in and do it. I'm like, whoa, hold on. You should not just bring in someone else to do this because you don't know the right way to do it. And so you just said that exactly. Get that playbook, figure out what the right process is for your business. And you can follow the formulas. I'll give you the formula. You can follow the process. But then you got to know for your individual market and for what you are selling, your product, your solution, what are the nuances that you need to have in place so that you can sell effectively, so that you can close a lot of deals with that fantastic demo and that closing process. How do you have that? Well, if you hire somebody else and they come in and they don't have that laid out for them, guess what? It's going to fail. I can't tell you how many times... I just talked to a founder yesterday who just signed up for our program because he tried to hire people to come in and do it and they couldn't. And so he realized, I have to be the one to do this, to build it initially. And then once you have the playbook, once you have the process perfectly, that's when you're going to be able to get someone else to come in and take over for you. You've got the layout. You've got the structure. It's going to make it so much easier. The other benefit that you get from that, by the way, is if you're doing that, you're having conversations with your market routinely. 
which is critical for a founder because not only will it help you build out your sales playbook, but your marketing messaging, you're going to know that better. Even going back to the product, you'll know what everybody's looking for. You mentioned it, that they keep asking you about this. They keep asking you about that. Lee, I love it because you are emblematic of everything that I've talked about for quite a while. You're living it right now and you're doing it just the right way. So kudos for that. I may not always enjoy it. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I wish I was, you know, and then the last two companies I came from, you know, reply, whatever. I had a, you know, team of dozens and dozens of people. Like we, I think we were at like 70, 80 people when I left. I just got to a point, and I think this is another great lesson. The transition is hard. I remember when I was at NetSuite, when you have everything surrounding you, like you walk in the office and there's like cookies and coffee and people doing lead gen for you and marketers. It's like, I just come in and do my job. And then I went to a startup and there was three of us after that. And I'm like, I got to do everything. And I got to think of everything. And then my last company, I'm in like, you know, a four-year mode where it's like, I'm still selling somewhat, but I have a team and then I'm managing everybody. And I'm like, I'm getting the gears greased to make sure everything's running efficient. And then it's like back to starting from zero. And you got to like, you got to keep that hat on where it's like, you got to keep like my roots, right? Just keep selling and you know, building a lot of, and I'm meeting so many great people, right? That's the thing. I'm talking to so many great people that you can't even put a price tag on because, you know, the love and the help that people are willing to give you. It's, and I think that's good for every founder. Just ask people on LinkedIn because, like, they're going to help you. Majority of like 99% of people are going to help in some way or another or connect you some way. So I think that's like so critical to like stay to those roots of like prospecting early on. I love it. I think it's fantastic. So, other than that, what advice would you give to new software founders who are getting started and trying to grow their company? Figure out why. Like, why are you building this? And figure out who you're building it for. Not just for yourself, not because you feel that someone else is in this space and you can do a better job than them. Or like, figure out who you're doing it for. Like, you know, there's personal gain, there's professional gain, but like, you got to find a market that you want to build it for. Find that problem and talk. It's really simple. Just talk to a lot of people that are going to buy that product. Come up with a simple deck of like five, six slides, screenshots, get some, hire someone on Fiverr, Upwork to build you like a mock of what you envision and share it and then get that feedback because like that's the easiest $200 you're ever going to spend that you're going to get a, you know, a million dollar feedback from. And then reach out to people because if you can't book meetings, they don't know you don't have the product. They don't know that your product's not ready. They may think it's a week away. They have no idea. So talk to that market and get that feedback. Again, most founders, they have a problem. They're already working somewhere. They already realize it, but get out and talk to people. You have to. That's and beautiful. One last thing. There is no quick silver bullet <laughs> to getting sales. We've all bought like, you know, those like a book or some, you know, some guy out of a Lamborghini that's like, Hey, you need to buy this. Someone we've all bought that somewhere. Right. But like, you know, talk to people like yourself that understand that work with SaaS founders that understand to help help you scale and build out that foundation. But there's no quick silver bullet, right? You got to put in the work. Absolutely. And thanks for the plug. Checks in the mail, Lee. But yeah. uh, you're exactly right. You got to put in the work. And I actually had somebody come talk to me this week. Uh, I think it was Monday. And they said, hey, we want to join your program. We're looking to do this. I also do discovery, obviously, because we want to make sure we get the best of the best into the program. And so what I learned from them was they didn't want to do the work. It came out in discovery that they were ready to be really rich, but they weren't ready to go through what it takes to get to be really rich. And so when I actually pushed them on it and said, 
hey, what are you doing for this? Well, nothing. Well, what have you planned and how are you going to be able to accomplish that if you're not doing it? We don't want to do that. Well, okay, guess what? <laughs> you're not going to get to rich by not doing that. So they realized that they've got to rethink of some things. They said, hey, give us two weeks. We got to kind of reset, talk to each other, really kind of get down to business and figure it out. So I completely agree with you, Lee. And it's just like you knowing your niche, right? Like you, you can easily bring them on board and be like, I'm going to teach you the playbook. But at least you're like, hey, listen, if we're going to work together, you know your niche. This is how we're going to be successful. And that's how you build yep. a big company. We want that's people great. who are ready to grow and ready to put the work in to make it happen. So you're exactly right. But this has been awesome, Lee. I love it. I love it. Everything you said has really resonated with me. And I've learned a lot about how you got started. Airborne App seems like a fantastic thing. So how shall our audience learn more about you and Airborne App? Yeah, you visit our website, airborneapp.io. I'm on LinkedIn, post once in a while, easily accessible via LinkedIn. So if there's any founders out there that are like, just want to pick my brain for 15, 20 minutes, I always block off my Fridays and I try to like meet with other people. And you know, I'm always open to like connecting with anybody because like there's been people in my life that, you know, when I got started that were there to help me. And it's I think we just kind of all go full circle. We all play in the same sandbox, right? We're all there together. So it's easier to do it together than do it by yourself. I perfectly agree. So well said. This has been awesome. So once again, this was Lee Gladish from Airborne App. Lee, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Matt. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. For everybody out there, thank you very much for listening and watching. Make sure you subscribe. We are constantly coming out with new cool episodes about specific topics to help you and your software company grow. So smash that subscribe button so that you don't miss anything. Thanks again for coming. We will see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Sastery in the Making. Join us next episode for another look into how today's visionaries are creating the next generation of innovation.